Our scripture reading this evening is Genesis 3, 13 through 19. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Cheryl and Adam, it's so good to hear you live again. It really is. Thank you for that. Yeah, it helps immensely. Thank you. All right, last week, we're in this series. This is the second week of a series, six-week series on faith and work. Good work done well. And this week, uh, we're looking at broken work. And so last week, I had this, uh, Bob and Shirley are two people, two individuals, two adults, and uh, they're really a composite of dozens of people, people I've known throughout the last 25 plus years. So if it feels like Bob and Shirley's hitting a little too close to home, it's just a composite. It's hap mere happenstance that you find identification with Bob and Shirley. <laughs> Uh, but we said that Bob and Shirley, let's say they're very dedicated church-going people, and they serve and they give and attend and they do volunteer projects, and they go on mission trips, and they're very, very involved. And really, that's only 5% of their life, really. So even if they were the most hyper-involved church person, that's only 5% of their life is what they do on the weekends or with the church. And um, what, what they do, though, is they spend most of their life I'm talking about a lifespan. Most of their life, they actually spend working um, more than they're with their church friends, more than even they are with their family oftentimes, um, more than they'll do hobbies is they'll spend most of their life working. And so last week we discovered that, that all of these various jobs and vocations that you have and I have, uh, well, God first did those things. And so when we do our vocation employment, we're saying, oh, we're doing God things because he first was like that in, that, in all of those vocations and employments. Um, and that's a much needed change uh, because there's a common idea that all of our spiritual work is what we do attached to the church and their programs on the weekend. But then what we do during the week is maybe not so spiritual or, or it's maybe spiritual junior varsity or, we, we, or maybe somehow a little bit more spiritually sullied or dirty than 
all that preacher type work or church type work. And, and that's craziness. We said there, there's no distinction between all the works of God being, it's all spiritual. So that's a, that's a good corrective. That was last week. Um, but this week, uh, Bob and Shirley have a problem um, because uh, it could be that both of them have reached a point now in their careers where they're not finding a lot of purpose and meaning in their work as much as when they first started out. Um, they're kind of like in Solomon's midlife crisis in Ecclesiastes, uh, where he says just everything's meaningless, it doesn't matter. Um, they're maybe finding that the routines of daily life are maybe more monotonous than they would like. Life is a little bit more boring and gray, even when it comes to work. Uh, they look at their work and it doesn't seem like all the projects that they've worked on in their work history, they didn't really turn out the way they thought it should turn out. And it, it seems like people around them always find a way to screw it up. Their coworkers just don't do it the right way or their boss doesn't do it the right way. And uh, Fridays seem pretty far away now, and Monday, Mondays seem eternal. And retirement has become this looming, whoa, you might not have a sermon. Retirement, I'm gonna keep talking. Retirement has become this like looming dream, right? This looming possibility. Um, if you'll talk to some people uh, now, they have a retirement countdown. They'll be like, hey, I've got seven more years. I'm gonna put in seven more years while Tim rearranges his pages. <laughs> um, and they think, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a time in my life where I just had kind of like nonstop amusement. So, if musing is to think, what is amusement? And they dream of that. Now, what's going on with Bob and Shirley? Okay, um, because last week we had this incredible vision of what work is and it images God and it shows forth who he is and we're reflecting him because we work just like he works. So you have this great vision of work and then Bob and Shirley, we go, all of us go into work and that fairy tale seems to evaporate the moment we look at our inbox. Why is that? Well, it is a tale and a story of sorts and we want to say that a dragon has entered into that fairy tale. What is that dragon? And, and Adam and Cheryl read it for us is that Genesis 3 on the heels of the garden, it lets us know that there's a real curse on all work and vocation. Like sin has really touched work, not just the moral parts of our hearts, but sin has begun to touch work. And God says that, he says, uh, uh, the, the ground is now cursed. Physical matter now, when it comes to what you and I do, is cursed. There's gonna be pain, there's gonna be thorns, 
there's going to be thistles. That means there's going to be good things that grow up and there's going to be thistles in between all the good things of work. By the sweat of your face, you're going to eat bread. So the trees that once gave fruit, um, we're going to chop them down and the tree is going to die because of it. And then we're going to sweat until our death. And there's going to be splinters and thistles and thorns. And it's going to make work really difficult and painful. Um, let me just put it another way. Like, it just means that work is now infected. Like, our work is now in some sort of ruins. Happened again. You'd think I'd learn. I haven't learned. My work is frustrated. Can you tell? <laughs> My work is frustrated. See, this is a great, I planned this. I planned this. Um, now, what is the problem when I lose my place, here we go. Um, we're gonna sweat. We are gonna sweat to our coffins. All right, so I, I, I said this before, it's, I think a lot of us have conceived of sin as like I am deeply broken and fractured. We've, we see it like an internal reality and that is so true. But I don't know if we have thought deeply about sin touching and corrupting and corroding and cursing like what we do. So if I said this, like, look, um, what happened at the garden, uh, you know that it really corrupted and cursed relationships. Like Adam and Eve weren't cool with God anymore and they weren't good with each other and they weren't good with the created order. Like it, it affected relationships, but, but it affected physical matter. Like it, if you guys who have owned a home or own a home now, like you have to replace the roof. Like physical matter degrades and dissembles. It decomposes and you are always dusting and you have to wash your car. You have to get new clothes. They wear out. Things are falling apart. We, we know this, sin affects the pursuit of what was normally like really good things to chase after. It, it messes that up. Now there's all these, uh, now all these frustrations and obstacles and roadblocks. Um, we know this is that sin has messed up systems and processes um, we know this is that if you've ever been a part of an organization like a church or a company or even just a club, have you ever been part of a small club of some that centers around some hobby and it does not take long for people to start arguing with each other about who's in charge and how should we do things and I disagree with how we're doing things and I'm gonna leave the club now because I can't stand that you're doing things this way. <laughs> it doesn't take long before that happens. Um, have you ever been to an event? It can even be at a church event, all right? But you can be at an event at an elementary school or, or some government function or some civic function and you go back home and you're like, well, you know what they should have done? They should have had the line over here and it would have been efficient and they should have had this set up, but they didn't have, like everyone says, oh, you know what you could have done and should have done and whatever. Why? Because systems are jacked up. Sin touches that. So let's, let's see how that applies to work. Like, let's see how that applies. If that's what sin did in the garden, let's, let's just apply it to work. 
Like, let's look at relationships. Bob is ticked and mad at Jerry in sales because Jerry just simply didn't get back to the client. And now Bob and Jerry are mad. And Shirley is mad at Bree because Bree's not returning her emails. And it's very obvious that Bree is against the new strategy for the regional rollout. And she's being very passive aggressive and not talking to Shirley about it. See, see, relationships. It's, it's like the fall, it's the curse, it's sin, it's brokenness, just touching relationships. Let's look at physical matter. Uh, Bob is raging because the stupid printer won't work and the server's down again, right? Surely can't believe it that the package is held up in Chicago. Clearly, I ordered it on Monday. It was supposed to be by Wednesday. It's, it's Friday now. It's held up in Chicago. What's going on? And her phone just got cracked again. Right? The pursuit of good things. This is what all Bob wanted was this great um, consequence-free feedback machine. So he put in the box of anonymous suggestions. That's all Bob wanted. He said, maybe, maybe this will be inspire some really good ideas. And then all of a sudden it's open season on Bob's management styles. Oh, that, the, the suggestion box kind of backfired on Bob. All, look, all Shirley wanted was for everyone to clean out their food from the break room refrigerator. That's all she wanted. Like that's a good thing to do is not leave it in there during the weekend. And then now there's all these passive aggressive post-it notes mocking Shirley for her new rule, right? And systems and processes. You know, Bob is beginning to feel like the entire company is fundamentally broken. And he's starting to scroll through other positions at other companies during the afternoon lull. And Shirley feels like the whole department is just filled with all of this toxic behavior. And it, it's toxic behavior that is getting rewarded really secretly, she thinks, by management. And don't even get Shirley started on processes that have not been articulated well. Do you see how Bob and Shirley are just like, yeah, we appreciate your wonderful vision of work, but you're not where I work. All right. If, if we don't recognize, if we don't recognize how sin and the curse and the fall has touched every single aspect of our work, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna go from job to job to job to job to job expecting it not to be broken. And you're gonna find yourself disappointed again and again and again in yourself. And you're gonna find yourself disappointed again and again and again in other people. You're gonna have unrealistic expectations for yourself and you're gonna have unrealistic demands for a lot of other people too.
What's a problem there? What's Bob and Shirley's first problem? One of them is that they didn't think sin was that bad. I know that's a weird application. Like they didn't think it was that bad. It wouldn't touch everything that they were touching. See, the fall in sin gives voice. Finally, it gives voice to all of your frustrations with work. It, it, it gives real voice to it. It says, yeah. Yeah, now we know why that's really, really frustrating. Yeah, we know why that stinks. And if we know the why, then we can begin to address the real problem. And the problem doesn't start with Jerry in sales or passive aggressive Bree. So this is what Genesis 3 says. The curse gives thorns and thistles and pain and domineering people. And, it, and there's some people ruling over other people. That's new in the curse. And there's changed desires. I used to desire to do this one thing. Now I desire another thing and it's not healthy. See, see the curse is this pushback and this rebellion against the very mission of God. Do you remember from last week? What is the mission of God? Um, to make and build and be in partnership with the creator so that what? That God's greatness himself, his person is made manifest and shown and known. That's the mission of God. And all of this pushes against that. So what are all these, what are the thorns? And this is, this, this is happens in my heart. What are these thorns and thistles and pain and this, this desire to be domineering and, and rule over other people inappropriately? What does it do? in our work. You know, so we, for some of us, we just begin to hate work. Like we'll do as little as possible. For some of it, we see like, oh, you know, I've used work to shape my own kingdom. I'm building a kingdom of my imaginations and I know it's not God's imaginations, but this work has enabled me to build the dreams. Like Solomon, a lot of us have said, look, it's a paycheck, but it feels really, really meaningless. For some of us, our work has become really selfish. Like it's about just amassing a pile of smaug gold during our lifetime that we just maybe pass on to our kids. You know, for some of us, and, and I, I thought about this for the first time in, in 25 years of me reflecting on faith and work, it, it's caused me to dishonor and denigrate some kinds of work. 
I don't know if you've ever used this line, but I've actually used this line with my children and it's wrong. I've said, you might wanna study, otherwise you are going to flip burgers at McDonald's. Have any of you said that or is that, I'm a, I'm a, am I the only parent? <laughs> Thank you, I'm not alone. <laughs> I was feeling very alone. <laughs> Right, like, like I, here they are, is, is, they're not just gainfully employed, they are taking resources and reshaping them and serving you. And I've made fun of it. That's crazy. But, but that's what we've done with work is I said, I've used my work to find some superiority to someone else. And you know what that superiority is? It's just racism rebranded under an M. That's all it is. I've had to do some repenting of that this week. What else has this happened? It's made us make a God and an idol. You've heard this before with your work. So I won't unpack that one. You know what we've used work to do? We've used work to communicate to our souls what relationships can only communicate. What do I mean by that? If God has said you are an adopted daughter or son who I am crazy about and treasure, you know what we've said? We've said is I'm actually gonna set that aside and disbelieve it today. And I'm gonna run off with my mistress work. And I'm gonna say, work, you make me lovable. Work, you make me valuable. Work, you make me awesome. We use it to cover. We call it fig leafing because Adam and Eve were, were putting leaves all over their body business. You know how we use work to fig leaf? I can have a lot of other picadillos, a lot of other flaws, but you know what I can do is I can point to a project and say, look at that. It kind of forgives that other junk, doesn't it? We use work to fig leaf ourselves and hide behind it and say, I don't have to be in front of my maker naked. See, now we have a friend and a design. This is what the fall and the curse does. We have the, the friend, the ultimate capital F friend and designer of work is now absent from work in the fall. It sounds like Psalm, 40, um, um, Psalm 44. If you read Psalm 44, it describes like, okay, we forgot God. And then it describes all of these horrible things that happen. <laughs> read, read it. It's great. It's, it's, it's a great description of like, okay, the absence of God. And then this happens. And that's how we are with work. The absent, we feel the absence of God because of that strain, because of that division and that crack. And now, in, all right, so we have the absence of the friend and the designer of work, but now we have a real enemy of work who is very, very present. There is an enemy that is on mission to absolutely frustrate and destroy your work and your creativity. He does not like newness. Uh, he doesn't like, all he can, did you, did you know that this, did you know that Satan cannot make anything original? 
He does not have that capacity. You know what he can do? Is take something that is original and he can twist it. He can change it. He can pervert it. He can destroy it, but he can do nothing original. There's an enemy and he doesn't want collaboration because collaboration means that there is relational well-being that is happening to make you be aligned, to go on tracks, to create something wonderful. There's an enemy of collaboration. There's an enemy against order. He loves chaos. There's an enemy who doesn't want discovery that leads to human flourishing. I imagine in my mind, uh, Moderna began to work on a vaccine against COVID 10 years ago, right after the SARS scare. I imagine in my mind that the enemy of God's creation does not like it that that process was begun over 10 years ago and it was ready for such a time as this because that aids in human flourishing. And there is an enemy against that. There's an enemy who would love to see the deaths. Did you see the deaths in the Ganges in India from this past week and the week before? It's horrifying. And there is something that contributes to the flourishing of humanity and stops the death and brings life. And the enemy is against things like that. All right, I had more here, but let me just say this. I want you to, I want you to ingest a little bit. It's kind of dark, but I want you to feel like, whoa. The, the curse has just jacked up everything to do with work. And, and I can't work myself out of what is wrong with my work. I, I want you to have a little bit of just like helplessness when it comes to your work. What? How can this ever be made good? It'll never be made. I want you to have a little despair and frustration because that is the extent of what, how sin and the curse and rebellion and brokenness and flawedness and crackness has affected our work. And there's a reason why I want you to become, come to that place is because I want you and I want me to be pushed and driven and compelled and attracted to Jesus <laughs> that's why I want you to become so, uh, so fed up with sin over work is that you say, Jesus, do something. <laughs> and this is the great part. Um, uh, he did. So there, there's another tree that was chopped down and there was sweat, much like blood. Sweat of the face, as Genesis says. And there were thorns in that work, if you remember. And he entered into his work too. And his work ended 
in frustration. Apparent defeat. Seeming massive failure. If there's a paycheck that should get garnished or withheld, maybe it's there. But this is the amazing thing that's different from Genesis 3 is that he did not decompose and did not return to dust. He was raised to life by his dad's power. And that bought your work back from the dead. And that's your story and that's our story. Right? Jesus was put under the penalty of the curse that was put on work. Like you and your workplace. And he bought it back. And that matters because the next chapter we're going to look at next week is the chapter that can only be made possible by him buying back our work. So let's pray into that. Jesus, I want to know what my work looks like under the redemption of you. I know what my work looks like under the redemption bought by Tim Leon. And it is a pile of stink. So I give that to you. And I ask that you pull us by your power into a beautiful, renewed relationship to work because you have reconciled us to our work. Jesus, let us not minimize sin. Let us not minimize the brokenness so that we need you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.